0: Hello, and welcome to one in four talking mental health with Abby Lacey and friends in this series. I'll be chatting to friends about their mental health, how they cope their support systems, advice they've learned and advice they'd like to pass on. Please note the topics in this podcast may not be suitable for all listeners. This season of one in four is sponsored by handling change. Handling Change are experts in delivering a wide range of targeted well-being and ergonomic solutions including on-the-job manual handling, emergency first aid, mental health first aid and video productions. They work in partnership with a number of leading international organisations, providing discreet, bespoke and tailored training and support across multiple sectors. Your people, your culture, your tasks, your way. To learn more about the wide range of targeted well-being and ergonomic solutions offered, please visit handling-change.co.uk or email support at handling-change.co.uk. Today on One in Four, I'm joined by Simon Trower. Simon and I have known each other for about 20 years, but I only knew of his mental health story when he launched the charity Brave Mind, a charity to help bring mental health into the rugby community in September last year. Today, we talk about his childhood separation anxiety, living with mental illness and what led him to start the charity Brave Mind. Hi, Simon. How are you today? And I mean, how are you really?
1: I am... Overwhelmed, Abby. Overwhelmed in a good way and overwhelmed in a bit of an emotional way. Um, Mm. it's just been an absolute roller coaster since uh sort of September 2020, really, when I um I set up Brave Mind. So it's been it's been absolutely crazy, but sort of personally it's been quite a struggle to keep up, sort of keep your head above water, but um you just got to keep on going.
0: So before we talk about you and Brave Mind. What's our connection? Why are you on One in Four today?
1: Our connection is through my sister. So you obviously mm. uh, good mates of my sister. Well, well, I think you're good mates of my sister. Um, yeah. <laughs> just to clarify, I,
0: mean, I haven't seen a. Let's ages, just, clara- but let's we just are. clarify that. <laughs> we haven't fallen <laughs> before you, out <laughs> before
1: you hang up on me. <laughs> um, and obviously, well, seeing you do some great work um, in the mental health space, and um, obviously want to support each other. Uh, In what we're doing, it's such an important topic now, what has always been, you know, everyone's got mental health. Um, And I think we've both been on mental health journeys and we Mm. both want to sort of achieve the same thing.
0: Absolutely. So what is your mental health story? And, you know, starting with you, first of all, and then we'll talk about Brave Mind.
1: Gosh, I think we've only got 45 minutes, haven't we? So, No, talk (laughs) as long as you like. (laughs) Um, It's been a real, a real journey. Um, what I mean by that is probably say from right from the beginning of my life, and obviously in hindsight, looking back on it, it's easy to say is that I was a very anxious child, had a lot of separation anxiety from my mum, you know, going to primary school or nursery.
0: Oh my god, you and me both. It, it yeah, it was
1: always, and, and being a parent now, it must have been terrible for my mum. Like the, the mm-hmm. things that you know I did is sort of you know, mum used to drive me to school. Um, I used to sort of wait for my mum to get out of the car and then I used to lock, lock all the doors
0: yeah. you know and it was just a nightmare for my mum how embarrassing for her and so do you find as a parent sorry to interrupt right. but do you find as a parent that you've gone the other way because I know I was the same and with Dylan my 12 year old I have absolutely always been right you will be Mr Independent.
1: It has always been a worry a concern is that my mental health and sort of anxiety you know is sort of taken on by my children if that makes sense Mm -hmm. um and sort of looking back and I've done a lot of sort of research into it and looking at my sort of family line you know especially on my sort of mum's side I'm sure she won't mind me saying this but there's sort of history of mental health um and so yeah that's I'm sure that's got something to do with it genetically but now being a parent I don't want my kids to sort of have the anxieties that I had Mm. uh because it really did prevent me from doing a lot of things in my childhood yeah. because I was just so scared scared of life yeah. more than anything
0: I've completely empathise with that because I was exactly the same obviously you had the separation anxiety mm. through childhood and then did that lessen as you got a little bit older
1: yeah it did it took a long time I won't lie um and I leant heavily on my sister you know she was as when I started school she was sort of like ending school uh, but even through primary school, you know, my sister used to be taken out of lessons just to, you know, come and console me kind of thing. So it's, you know, it's impacted um, my whole family throughout my life. I think as you grow older, as you, you'll know, this is you'll you'll develop coping strategies. You'll learn more about yourself. But that, again, is just a journey. It's it's a bumpy one um, because you go through life analyzing. You know, I still struggle with over analyzing everything. You know, what do people think? What have I done here? The you know, mistakes I've made, all of these things. Um, and the one bit that I've sort of come to now, you know, I'm 42, is acceptance yeah. and sort of accepting who I am as a person. Um, and that was a really big process that I went through with a with a psychologist of sort of trying to nitpick everything that had gone on in my life that had gone Badly, or things that I'd done, um, good things, but just trying to understand for me who I was. And I think this, you know, setting up the charity has been a massive part of that sort of process and learning.
0: You set up Brave Mind, was it in September?
1: September 2020, yes.
0: How did that even start? What was your thought? What were you thinking? What was, yeah, what was I thinking?
1: <laughs> uh, do you know what? It was never, I never had the intention of, um, creating a charity or anything like that I guess very yeah. similar to what you're doing now it's having my own personal battles um going on you know we're talking you know for, yeah 42 years of sort of going through uh, relationships um family troubles you know friends and, and mm-hmm. then getting to a certain point in your life you just think gosh I really need to find I don't know it sounds a bit <laughs> a bit crazy just a bit of a purpose I guess when I'd been out of the game for rugby for such a long time, you know, rugby was a huge part of my life. Started playing at Henley, what, five, six years old. Mum and dad were heavily involved, my brother, my sister. Um, and, you know, it was all about Henley Rugby Club. Um, and yeah. all through school as well. And all I ever wanted to do was, you know, play for Henley first, you know, be the best I could. And I got to an okay level. It was representing county and... You know, got on the sort of fringes of, of the Henley first team squad, but I never quite made it. Um, and then I got a back injury, which completely knocked me for six. Back surgery, it was in hospital for a week. Um, and, you know, I really struggled at that point. Anybody that's had back injuries, it completely takes control. Um, you know, you, you can't put on your socks. You, you can't just do the ba- yeah. basic things of life. And it, it fundamentally, it really hits you mentally and then to be told you know you shouldn't really play again was really tough um so I kind of like fits around sort of helping coaching and things like that and then sort of moved away and just stepped away from the game altogether uh yes I, I watched it um you know had a pint and all that kind of stuff watching games on tv but I wasn't actively involved and then it got to sort of 2019 and um I was like you know, I've really I want to get back involved now, so I volunteered um, at a club, um, and I just ended up sort of helping, coach really, um, sort of match day yeah. manager kind of role. Um, and at that point, I uh, met a young player who who joined pre season, and he was so open about his mental health, openly talking about you know he was taking antidepressants, um, counselling. Uh, always had a smile on his face but within within that environment it wasn't really a a normal conversation to have and it really inspired me um and I just thought gosh you know something needs to be done about this and I'd love to do something about it you know combine my passion of rugby uh, and my personal experiences of mental health so that was in 2019 and then obviously 2020 was a a bit of a blur for everybody and (laughs) absolutely crazy and um I I went on a mental health first aid course for work um, yeah. and um, I was really interested in it. It was something my sister suggested that I did as well through Mental mm. Health England. And I just I met some lovely people on that, you know, from all walks of life, ex-military, some teachers, um, you know, a, a mother that was, you know, had a son that was experiencing mental health issues and she wants to learn more and it just opened my eyes to, Not just depression, anxiety, but so many other things. Um, And the stats, you know, eating disorders, OCD. It's like, oh my gosh, this is huge. By the end of the week, I was absolutely drained emotionally from it, but also had taken so much out of it. And that just sort of gave me the sort of additional kick to say, yeah, I I want to do something now. Um, uh, Still not thinking of a charity though. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, it was more of, um, OK, let's sort of create some form of network or platform that or, or social media group that I could try and help young players coming through and came up with the name Brave Mind, which my brother helped me massively on that. Um, mm. And then um, did all the design bits and pieces and logos and things like that. And, and then uh, a close friend of mine offered to document it through a video and we, we filmed it at Henley Rugby Club. And naively, it was, I just kind of like just rocked up and did it. And yeah. I didn't, it wasn't probably until we were filming that I just had to sit down and was like, jeez, you know, I'm now going to start talking about some really private things. And yeah. this video is going to go, you know, well, definitely some of these people that I know and whoever. Um, so yeah. there was a real kind of, the uh, moment where I sort of sat down it was all a bit bit over you know again overwhelming and um the response i just I got from that video from um you know people that I used to play with some coaches and you know people within business and colleagues and things was uh, was just amazing, but also a lot of people have been on similar journeys to me a lot of people, whether it be themselves or family members um colleagues friends and uh yeah it was it was incredible and and that's when a good mate of mine Adrian Smith came to me we, we sat down we talked about it um then my brother came on board then another friend Paddy Burke came on board and we just all just sat down and just said look you know what do we want to do here do we want to just do this sort of awareness piece which is great but do we want yeah. to try and take a bit more action be a bit more proactive about things and create some some form of program that we could deliver to rugby clubs that we could deliver to schools academies uh, and that's when we sort of started the application for, for charitable status and the rest is history <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean it's literally it's taken off magnificently hasn't it
1: um it has I think there's just there is a need for it I you know yeah. I think if there was ever a time to start a mental health charity it was probably now um
0: well, that's that's for sure. Yeah,
1: <laughs> I think that mental health has jumped very high up on the agenda. You know, it was, it's always you know, mental health should be on the same level as physical. And it, it's great to see that people are starting to really focus on it in, in the corporate world, um, well-being, looking after their staff. And uh, it's, it's great to see. Um, but there's still huge. You know, there's a monumental task ahead of a lot of people with the effects of the pandemic and when we come out of lockdown the anxiety you know there's there's going to be a lot going on and um yeah we're just trying to to help as much as we can as a a charity you know specifically sort of in the rugby community
0: yeah so when you started talking about it because from my personal um perspective is that i started talking about it then all of a sudden as you've said you know lots of other people started they come out the woodwork did you feel that massive sense of relief that you weren't alone in how you'd been feeling because all of a sudden you know somebody that you might have been quite close to has suddenly gone oh yeah no I'm the same or you know similarities did you feel that sense of wow this is just amazing and incredible mm. an opportunity for yourself? Uh, yes
1: going back to my mental health journey you know it, it, it took me 42 years to get to a point where I was comfortable in myself that I was able to share that story and it was difficult to get there Um, Mm. and uh, as you know it's caused a lot of heartache and um, and sadness amongst people but now because I've sort of accepted who I am I'm just trying to put a positive uh positive light you know at the end of the tunnel and and help people i think hopefully from showing my vulnerability and just being very open about my story um it will give people strength to do the same thing so i'm not sure relief was was a feeling i just think um i was just ready um ready in my mind and uh you know i'm not ashamed of of anything um with, with regards to my mental health i don't want other people to feel like that
0: yeah no, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. So with your own mental health, over the, obviously 42 years is a long time and mine, mine's mine been 45 next week. Um, <laughs> so it's, it's a long time to have lived with something, but obviously you've got to 42 yeah. and you're thriving now. What sort of things have you done, you know, to build like, because I always say it's like a toolbox, isn't it? Of things mm-hmm. that you could, Um, to uh, support and coping mechanisms what sort of things have you got that that really work for you to help you through your anxious moments or anything that you know your negative mental feelings
1: I think firstly in my opinion I I think gosh how to put this so you need to want to get better you need you need to want to improve your life um, and it's really difficult to get out of that dark place. And it's very difficult to see that at the time. You know, I was very fortunate to have you know, a loving family around me to support me. But there's only so much they can do. There's only so much mm. they can say. It really has to come within, from within yeah. you to, to, to look in the mirror and, and accept that you're not in a good way,
0: mm.
1: but you have the desire to want to improve now, that may be a really, really small amount, but it needs to be something in order to go to your GP and shut the door and sit down and say, you know, that was one of the hardest things I've ever done.
0: Oh, right right in the beginning,
1: when you go to, you know, yeah. I was nervous about the drive to the surgery, sitting in the waiting room, thinking in my head, what am I actually going to say to him? Because doctors, yeah, exactly. doctors are usually so upbeat and say, oh hi, how can I help you today? And it's like, bam. Yeah. i'm actually i'm feeling really anxious but it's
0: also putting it into work into words you, isn't it no
1: absolutely you just
0: it's like oh, how do I describe how i feel <laughs> i'm sad all the time i'm anxious yeah. you know?
1: <laughs> no absolutely and it's just there's there's certain things there that you just have to if you want to improve you have to just go through those processes you get a bit of an anticipation of and i'm not feeling great or um there's sort of a cloud coming over and things and you just Now I go for a run, I go for a walk, I listen to music, um, I just try and switch off. 10, 15 years ago, I had this ability to flick a switch emotionally, um, where I used to just detach myself from everything, which was terrible, you know, it was really, really bad, um, because, but that was just the way I coped at the time. Yeah. Um, I just shut myself off emotionally from everything and everyone. And it was really tough yeah. on people. Um, now, I'm, um, you know, those coping strategies, I talk a lot. I talk a lot to my family. I'm very open about how I feel. I try and talk to friends as much as I can. Um, but I just, you know, and I read, I learn more about mental health. I learn more about me. Yeah.
0: <laughs> um, yeah.
1: And I don't. uh, My expectations of myself are a lot, kind of, lot lower. If that, you know, doesn't what that sound bad? But I take. I know. I know. I take each day at a time. So you know, we're talking today, uh, and generally speaking, I feel okay. Um, Pretty stressed, um, but generally feeling I'm okay. But that's today. Yesterday's gone. Tomorrow's a new day, and I'm just trying to sort of take each day at a time. Um and just connected myself really emotionally,
0: has lockdown changed that at all for you? Um because I know for me that i was I'm an eternal planner and I'm a perfectionist and re- you know, recovering perfectionist, re- recovering planner, recovering organizer, recovering everything. um yeah. and I know that lockdown I made a kind of deal with myself that i to stop myself from going into complete meltdown, I would just take every day as it comes, and that has massively helped in every area that I now kind of go I don't want to plan stuff because what if I don't feel like it
1: (laughs) no absolutely I think there's an element of um sort of waking up in the morning and being very grateful for what Mm. the situation that I'm in uh there's uh, since starting a charity I've spoken to a lot of people that you know, it's been really sad to hear certain stories. And I I have to be grateful from, in in my life, that's something that my mum has always driven into the three of us as children, is that you must be grateful for a lot of things. Um, You know, always health and happiness, you know, food on the table, you know, all this kind of stuff. And it's just a bit of a grounding moment. And I think throughout lockdown, again, take each day at a time, uh, be grateful that still in a job, um we were still getting paid um well I wasn't furloughed I just worked really hard you know I think we were thankful in in 2020 that the weather was so good that early early point in the in the April that we could sit in our gardens you know I, I suddenly just started doing a gardening project you know I just thought oh I'm gonna turn Brilliant. the bottom of the garden into like a barbecue area and I'm gonna do this and do that so it was trying to keep the mind occupied yeah. Trying, to, trying to stay positive. I um, also, you know, <laughs> looked at how much alcohol I was drinking because it's obviously very easy to slip into that. I'll I'll just have yeah. a beer again. I'll just have another glass of wine. All that kind of stuff. And it's just trying to stay connected in your own thoughts and just trying to stay positive. And again, just talking talking with family. You know, we, we created WhatsApp groups within the family you know, FaceTiming, WhatsApping and you know, things like that and just trying to stay connected um and motivate each other. And there was times that, you know, we'd have a cry. Um, you know, we're we're a very sort of tactile family and yeah, uh, we talk to each other a lot and it's uh, and we see each other a lot. And um when obviously that's taken away from families, it has a huge impact. So um yeah we were just trying to keep it as positive as as possible.
0: Yeah absolutely just going back to when you did go and see a gp about it what was your experience did they give you antidepressants or counseling or anything like that or was it a good was it positive experience for you
1: probably not the first time right um i i would say when i first went to a gp i was late teens early 20s and it was a very different world we lived in back then and yeah um uh you know I've been on antidepressants since that day I've changed medication which was probably one of the worst times of my life for about a month I think I cried every yeah. day for a month okay. was sick um it was just it was horrible but I had to come off a, a drug they wanted me to go into something else that was, better, was yeah. better for me but at the time I think it was very quick to say okay here have to have these yeah um and maybe in hindsight, you know, I should have looked maybe at other, other things, but uh, it was very difficult, very, very difficult back then. Saying that I don't want to be dependent on them, Um <laughs> says that 20 odd years later.
0: <laughs> I know because I, I've been on them for about eight or nine years and people have said to me including GPs you know do you think you should think about coming off and I had a moment where I was like I don't want to be dependent then I'm like nah no you're all right I'll stick on. yeah them. no well, you don't <laughs> want to
1: rock the boat do you it's, that vicious, it's no. that vicious circle just yes you want to come off but you also don't want to rock the boat so yeah you know, I'm I'm now come trying to come off them mm. and obviously you just don't completely just stop my surgery now A very being very proactive with that, um, looking at different ways. I think uh, my mental health didn't really improve until I saw a clinical psychologist in my late 30s. Yeah. You know, I saw a lot of counselors, I've seen a lot of GPs. Um, and do you know what? Maybe harsh me saying this, I think you need to find the right person.
0: Oh, God, that, definitely. And
1: there's no disrespect to all the people out there doing, the, doing a great job. But I think until I found somebody that really connected with me, really challenged me mm. um, with my thought process, I didn't really show signs of improving, if that makes sense. Yeah. And I, it was yeah. only until my late 30s that I was really challenged in a way that I had never been before. And it wasn't a nice process, but... I just stuck with it I know that she's always there if I if I need to speak to her which is brilliant um but it is um like I said originally it's a bumpy process
0: of course yeah and it isn't a one-size-fits-all process either is it I mean I've seen various different counsellors and I have to say I've not had great experiences with any of them I've never found one in particular that that's done it for me. So that's brilliant that you have. What's the best piece of advice you've ever received, whether it's from a clinical psychologist, a friend, your mum, Lucy, <laughs> whoever? What's what's the best, what's something that has stuck with you throughout your whole 42 years of your mental health?
1: With regards to, I guess, the most recent sort of mental health journey, I guess since being a parent and going through all of that, you know, there were times that I, I thought about ending my life, mm. um, I hadn't planned anything, but I, I definitely started to think those, those horrible thoughts and yeah. whatever got me out of it was my, my children, mm. I was always thinking about um, or just trying to picture their faces in, in my head at the time and, yeah. and that's kind of what made me, you know, carry on uh, mm. with my children. I think, you know, perspective is a, is a massive, massive thing for me. Um, having faith, um, you know, I'm not a hugely religious person. Um, my mm. grandfather was, my mum my likes to think she is. <laughs> um, but it's just, just trying to have faith that everything is going to be okay. Yeah. Um, but my children were a huge driver for me. And I think it's advice would be find that something um, that keeps you going is so important and my family have been they may have they may have not been there to say the right things but I know they're always there yeah um they they would always be there to you know to give me a hug or to to try and make things better they may they Hmm. may not know what to say but
0: they don't have to have the answers no they they
1: don't they don't I'm not sure whether I've answered that question right but um
0: i think it's a good answer uh, it's, it, yeah it's just
1: it's, it's i had to find something that again but going back to that purpose i needed to find something that would help me get out of some really dark times um yeah. and, and my children were that
0: so si, it's been lovely to catch up with you and brilliant that you came on and i wish you every luck in brave mind and i'll put links and everything in all thank, of the show notes thank you so stuff. much
1: thank you abby and, and, and like, likewise you. um All the best with what you're doing. It's fantastic and um yeah, wish you. you all the best.